Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Cole Midnight Carmody right here in the GPC studios with no Ryan Gilbert. Insert applause here. Gills is off to Kansas City. We're recording this on Tuesday night for Wednesday morning's Big 12 Basketball Media Days. The 10 coaches will be there with players and much happiness. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I haven't been to a basketball media days in forever. Zach, when was the last one? You've gone to one, haven't you? I've been to one. It's 2018. Mm. That was it. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, they're not quite the same as football. They don't have the same gusto. They don't have a guy asking for a mic check every 20 seconds on, no. on stage? Oh, I'm sure they do. I lo- that's, my, that's the best part of football media days <laughs> is the mic check every morning. Just counting to 10 repeatedly. But my the best part about basketball media days was uh, that was right when the FBI investigation came out and Bill Self gets up there and Karen Kornacki gets the first question. And she's like, mm, Bill, I got to ask. And he's just like, oh, boy, here goes this. And it's the the Big 12 tournaments come back to Kansas City for another billion years. What do you think about that? And he was so relieved. <laughs> That's all it was. That was all the question was. Oh, my God, Karen. <laughs> Oh, well, okay. Well, Gills will have that covered for Go Power Cat. And we are going to talk about everything you want to know. You ask the questions at Wabash Station. We answer them on this podcast. And we have a damn fine, fun time doing it. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure whenever you come to town, you stop at The Fridge to get your pregame or postgame refreshments. Next week's game, not this Saturday's game, next week's game with TCU, homecoming, 2.30 p.m. kick, and I think it's on ESPN 12. What was it on? FS1? I can't remember what that game's uh, on. I think it's on FS1. Which game? This uh, one? Next week's. It doesn't matter. You should, you should ESPN, ESPN U, 2.30. Just, oh, that's right. It was you. Just come to the game. That's you, right. You we had that discussion in that. our text group that you're almost better off being on the streaming service. You'd rather be on ESPN+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I said that on mm-hmm. Wombash. Tim Brando will be in Lubbock, Texas, and maybe we can take him out to the New Mexico desert and leave him. <laughs> Calling this weekend's game oh, at Texas Tech. It's Wyatt Vision mm-hmm. for everyone, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Folks, you might want to study ahead and figure out how to sync up your TV with the radio and watch the game that way. Because I can't take me Tim Brando anymore. Have you ever seen a guy that thin-skinned on Twitter? Like, searches his name out just to be thin-skinned. Tyron Matthew. Does he do that? 
Oh, yeah. He got into a big thing yesterday. With who? You? Uh, Joshua Briscoe, actually. Really? Yep. What did Briscoe say? It had to deal with Tyron Matthew. Uh, There was a play where he could have gotten a sack or supposedly could have gotten a sack, and he ran right by the quarterback and didn't make the sack. And Briscoe tweeted, there's no reason that if you're going to be an all-pro safety, you should make that sack. And, well, Tyron Matthew, he went after him. Okay. Man. Briscoe was right. (laughs) Yeah, he was. You ask the questions, we answer them. Here's Cole with your questions from Wabash Station. Oh, you know what? I've got our segment sponsors. Oh, oh man. Tanner's in the high-low. Get to Aggieville whenever you're in town. You won't see me there anymore because I'm a good boy. For now. I miss Aggieville. But let's get going with questions. Uh, first question comes from I Like Pickles Cat. Tell me things will get better and why I should believe it. As patient as I try to be, the results aren't great so far, and I can't find much reason to think things will get any better in the foreseeable future. I'm not going to tell you things are going to get better. I'm not going to go there until I actually see them win. I think this team's okay. I think the Cle Duke situation took the wind out of their sails, but I think they've emphasized it too much. They've spent too much time thinking about, woe was us, what are we going to do without this guy? We designed our defense around his ability to play the spot. You can't dwell on that stuff. You just have to move on, and it's part of the game. Pickles, I don't know what's going to get better. I don't. I think this team's good enough to win, but they've got to go do it. I think this team's played three really good teams in Big 12 play. And it's hard for people to to understand that the program for the last – I don't know how many years since the almost since the last Big 12 title in 2012 has been mired in the middle, lower middle of this conference. It has, and it hasn't moved off of there. I think last year kind of delayed a process. There's not enough good players on this team. Now there's some really good players. They've got the elements there for enough players to win games. But you don't have a guy to go to if someone's dropping the ball. You don't really have someone else to go to. And defensively, they're running low on defensive ends, and it's kind of hamstrung what they want to do. I would like to say it's going to get better. But recruiting is mired in crap. It's it's not good. They've got some decent players, but they've got – program players. They don't have any stars. They don't have any impact guys. Whatever's going on in recruiting, they need to stop doing that and do something different. People have asked me, what would I do? I don't know. I'm not, I've never been on the recruiting end of this business. I've been on the coverage end of it. And because of the nature of how things are done, we're not really exposed to the inner workings of a recruiting room of a recruiting staff. And I want to be clear, when I talk about stuff today, I'm not calling for anyone to be fired. In fact, the only person I ever typically call for firing is a head coach because they're the ones with the giant contracts. Now, I know some of these guys are getting paid a lot of money, but I'm not going to sit here and say a recruiting director or an ops guy or even an assistant coach should be fired. That That's just... That, that's unsavory to me. I don't I don't think that way. Now, do I think maybe there should be changes? Yeah. But some of those can be addressed by just moving people around, and that's true in recruiting. It's just like a 
sports team, you got to put everyone on your roster in the best position to succeed and let them do their job. And if they can't do their job, then you need to go find people to do the job. Whatever they're doing in recruiting, again, let me say it, stop. Go find someone who has proven they can recruit to an institution similar to Kansas State with success and bring in the type of players that will improve the roster. We're not talking five-star guys. We're talking, can you get some quality four-stars on a consistent basis and high three-stars? Guys like Deuce Vaughn, who maybe others pass on that you can get and come in here and sell it. Quit talking about how tough it is to recruit to Manhattan, Kansas. You know you are. That is poison you're pouring down your own throat. Are there challenges with recruiting to Manhattan, Kansas? Absolutely. Nobody doubts that. Small city, middle of Kansas, not a big population base. We know it all. We've seen it all, and we've seen Bill Snyder overcome it. So just start taking a more optimistic look. You know, Chris Kleiman talks about positivity. Needs to get into the recruiting room. Hell yes, we can go get this kid. Until he absolutely says, I'm not going to Kansas State, you can get the kid. You can try. I I sense in recruiting there's a lot of settling going on. Oh, we can get this kid. Got to stop. This is an amazing town. This is an amazing school. This is where a lot of mothers would love to send their kids because, frankly, you can't get into a whole lot of trouble in Manhattan, Kansas. And if you do, everyone knows it and you're held accountable. If you steer off the tracks, we know it, let alone your coaches. Everyone in town knows it. There are great things to sell to parents about this place. Look at that stadium on Saturday, guys. It was roughly 50,000 people, maybe 48, invested in the game. And even after the first play, still invested. It was an incredible college football atmosphere. You don't see that from 50,000-seat stadiums that often. It's going to be okay in the long run because of this. And this is something I think people are missing. Chris Kleiman's a smart guy. He knows football. And he's a fair and level-headed leader. I think he's going to get things corrected. But the challenge is going to become at season's end. What if those corrections mean having to demote move to another assignment, change the duties. People just don't work for you, but they're your friends. Believe me, it's not easy to do, but it needs to be done. How's that for an opening segment? There you go. Do you have any thoughts on the question, Cole? I mean, I was going to attack this question as a season standpoint. Um, I mean, first of all, let me just say everything that Fitz said, I've, 100,000 million percent agree with um, when it comes to the overall state of K-State football right now. But Pickles, to answer your question for how is it going to get better this football season, I think there's a path there. Um, I, I, you look at the talent that's on this this team, and, and they got guys that could play at pretty much every other institution in the Big 12. We talked about depth for so long, and I think the first three games of the season – before the injuries started to happen, I guess really the what the first game and a half before injuries started to happen, this was a 
this is a good football team. I think the team that took the field with no injuries has a chance to win all three of the games that they played in the Big 12 Conference. Shoot, you could make an argument, you know, you put your rose-colored glasses on, that this team, one or two plays goes their way in each game that they played so far in conference, and they have a chance to win the game at the end. You know, we talk, even in the Iowa State game, if Phillip Brooks, that ball is two inches higher off the ground, he catches that, they go in and score a touchdown and take the lead. Chris Kleiman talked about it in his press conference. The game is a completely different game. Same thing with Oklahoma State. If you take out the Skylar Thompson injury, maybe the game's a little bit different. If K-State recovers the onside kick against Oklahoma, maybe the game goes a little bit differently. So, sure, it's easy to say, all this, but you know what they say: if if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, then everyone would have a merry Christmas. At the end of the day, that's not going to happen. I'm not sure anyone has ever actually said that, other than in this context. I I've never heard that. You oh, never heard that? Really? No. You should hang out with Matt Walters more often, which is something I don't tell many people. Wow. I see. Looking at these next three games, I think they're really winnable games. I think you can easily go two out of three, if not win all three. You know, you can be six and three after KU going into the last stretch of your season. They need to be. They 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 need to be. I would take four five and four as much as it pains me to say that, because I have said, you know, all along throughout this season is if K State can get two out of three against OSU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, they can probably be a nine or ten win team. If they don't, and if they go three and three the first six games of the season, they're probably gonna be a six and six or a seven and five team. So, you know, if, if they can get through these next three with five wins and you just need one more game to win to get to bull eligibility, that's about what I saw for the team, you know. But these these next three games are winnable. You can be six and three. There's no question you can you can do that. And then if you can build that momentum and be eight and three going in the Texas game, you know, that's. I think that's also possible, too. But they have to realize they played the three best teams in the conference by far right now. They've already got them under their belt. So they can look up and say, hey, you know, everyone else on our schedule, they've lost some games. We can play with them. But the teams they lost to, they're 17 and two. Yeah. They're 17 and two. And then think about the non-conference opponents that they beat. Their records are good, too. K-State might have the their opponents, their first six opponents, being the best opponents combined record in college football. So, I would not be surprised. But someone posted Zach someone got him at two. Yep. Okay. Yep. And Indiana was one. Wow. It was two uh, and four, I believe, right? Yeah. I think you're right. It, I know this is great frustration, but they have more winnable games. I'm not going to judge them what they did against three of the best teams in the conference. I might throw Baylor in there. Texas is a pretty good program. Those are the two ending games. They got a four-game stretch here, really a four-game stretch where they better get bowl eligible, right? Just to be yeah. safe, just to be safe. They could knock off Baylor or Texas. I, Baylor's in Manhattan. They could win that game. I'm not saying it's not winnable. I'm just saying get the pressure off. Go go win three of these four. Go win all four, whatever. But – they have played really good opponents. And if you thought coming into this season, Kansas State was going to be in the top three of this conference, top four, competing for a spot in the Big 12 championship game, man, you are you were just overshooting. You just were. You got to own that one. Uh, that That's just overly optimistic about a team right now that um, just doesn't have enough depth and enough guys. And the way recruiting was shut down, 
during the pandemic, everyone went through the pandemic. Yeah, but if you went through the pandemic and you were in a metro area or close to one where players could just pay their own nickel and drive to campus to come visit, and you had a bunch of recruits in your backyard, say you were in a town like Fort Worth or Waco or even Ames where you've got a big population center 30 minutes south of you, you were at a huge advantage. It was unfair that these rules impacted schools such as Kansas State and maybe Indiana in a way that it didn't impact schools that were in population centers. So it did hurt. It did hurt K-State in a way that it didn't hurt everyone. But bottom line, they got to recruit better. they got to go get some dudes. Okay, football's football, but players aren't players. You better go get the better ones. And I'm not insulting the guys in the roster because there's some pretty damn good players on this roster. But you need plenty of good players at this level. Next question comes from Mountain Joe. Do you think a win gets us set back on the right path? No, not just one. No, they got to start stringing some stuff together. Because if you go win in Lubbock and then you come home and lose a third game at home, yeah, that that doesn't work. I mean, that's why I really think three in a row. Because if you win the first two and lose to Kansas, <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm going with three in a row here. They need to rattle these three off. And if they lose a tech, they could still rattle off three in a row. But at some point, you worry about the psyche of the team. And we heard Chris Kleiman talking about that. You could disagree with what he said or how he said it, but he's right. Anytime you're dealing with a team environment, and particularly at the college level, and they're losing games they do kind of get down. They stop believing everything their coaches are saying when they're not seeing success on the field. It's just the way it works. I I think that the game against Texas Tech is huge because if you lose that game, then the psyche, just like you mentioned, it's terrible. It's going to be terrible. Now, if if KU was the game right after that, then you would say, okay. You'd be like, okay, four and four. But then you have to come back and play TCU, who TCU, K-State, very similar, but I still think K-State's a better football team. Um, I think that the psyche, if you lose to Texas Tech, is just – I feel like even if you have leaders like Skylar Thompson who have been through this kind of stuff, it's just the doubt creeps in. Mm-hmm. And, and it just feels like, oh, here we go again from last year all over again. That's – I'm going to tell you – I'll tell you guys right now. If they lose to Texas Tech, they're going to look at it as this is what happened last year. Yep. That's exactly what they're going to And how do you at. not have that creep into your yeah. head? And a better team in TCU coming in. Mm-hmm. A, t- a, a team that absolutely destroyed Tech in Lubbock. So, yeah. You know what the only thing worse than going to Texas Tech to play football is, Zach? Driving to Texas Tech to not eat a giant steak. That that was a good answer, but not the uh, right answer. Okay. The only thing worse than going to Texas Tech to fo- play football is to go to Texas Tech and play football and lose. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because it's quite the environment. But we might have a big stake on Friday night. If you lose in te- at Texas Tech and you go down to three and four, you're now underwater. You're chasing, trying to chase a win back. It's like you, it's like going to the blackjack table and you just lost two. You know, you've lost three or four hands in a row. You're like, well, now we got to chase and we got to try harder. And hey, we might lose to TCU next, and then you've got a must win against KU because if you lose that one. 
I mean, now you're at six straight losses. You know, that's that's embarrassing there. But, you know, I think a win does set them back on the right path, but it's not enough. Starts with they one. Got, it starts with one. They got to keep it going. They got to get some momentum and it start. You got to stop the bleeding at some point. And but I'm, you can't get you can't get to the point where you're underwater and now you're chasing again. And right. I'll, I'll tell you right now, if I'm a coach or if I'm a player inside of that locker room, that is what you're preaching. I mean, it's so coach speak to say you have to go one and no every day. Sure. In practice, yes. But on Saturday, it really is. You have to win every single play because I have the feeling that if they can get a win and the next question, we'll talk about this, but if they can get a win, it kind of gets a monkey off their back in a way that's like, okay, kind of gives you some reassurance. We've played three really good teams. Well, we got to win. We survived that one. We're coming back home for homecoming. Let's get this train back on the tracks. You know, I, I, can hear the voice of a former basketball coach talking about we want to go one and oh but we need to win possessions if you win enough possessions you win the basketball game i think it was long kruger years ago i heard say this and that's really it boils down to that maybe it's making a shot or getting a stop but you got to win possessions and that's what's so true about kansas state and it's not even possessions for them it's plays mm-hmm. they start sustaining a drive chris Kleiman talked about this they start sustaining a drive and then something bad happens and they derail and they end up punting they've got to learn to sustain things and win play after play after play after play quit worrying about the outcome of the game or the quarter or even the drive Beat the guy in front of you on that play, and you're going to start having success. It's pretty simple coaching. But I think they're worrying too much big picture. Let the fans fret over the big picture. You go beat the guy in front of you on Saturday repeatedly, and the team's going to win. So that comes into the next question from Powercat Ryan. By how much does this team need to beat Texas Tech for you to feel good about the direction the team is heading? I don't care how much. At this point, one. Me too. Well, one and a yep, half, I so agree. they cover. <laughs> no, they're, they're the they're, underdogs. Oh, that's right. It flipped. Now they're the underdogs. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's, I don't know why they opened as a one, but it should, this, this is a pick em. Yeah, This is a truly pick, yeah. a pick. You just can't sort out these teams. I don't understand either team. I don't. K-State's played at a high level. Not now. Tech's capable of being better than what they are, but, I mean, they won at West Virginia, and then they just get drilled by TCU at home. Makes sense of that for me. I don't know. I don't know. I just win. I don't at this point I don't care. I wanted an emphatic win, but you got to get the W. It's the most important thing. If it's Tate and Winkle kicking a 63-yard field goal in the last play of the game, I'm optimistic. Okay, don't give me that look. It can't be a 36-yarder. Oh my god. If he lines up for like a 30-yard field goal, two false starts. Back him up. Back him yeah. up. Get him into the 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 area of the field where there's not as many angles for him. He must be a just a low one. He must be an English guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like he gets too close in and he's off, and he just loses his. I don't know. What a frustrating day for a kicker. Do you remember that game at KU? Probably one of Snyder's last ones there, where they won by what ten? It was it was a small margin, yeah. and yeah, they won the game, but you just felt disgusting after. Right. I don't want one of those. Like, I think you got to win by more than two scores because if you if you win by 10 at texas tech sure you change it you know you you get the win but if you're winning by 10 there's some stuff that went wrong that needs fixed that you still don't feel satisfied Mm -hmm. about this needs to be emphatic it needs to be satisfying 
on the scoreboard. I think it, this has to be a total, maybe not a total domination, but there needs to be no question who was winning the game from the onset. And it better be K state. I think you can win the game from the onset and still only win by 10 points. Yeah. I mean, we, we've I seen mean, it in yeah. Manhattan. I thought Iowa state was clearly the better team and they won by 13 and it felt like 24. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily the point that matters, the point differential that matters, but it's, could you could you tell that you were the better team that day? You know, it's like you talked about winning plays. I go back to that K-State Iowa State game. If you look at the offensive side of the football for K-State, they won a lot of plays against yeah. Iowa State. The offense was not that bad. People can sit here and talk about coming for Courtney Messingham's job and, and do what you want us and do what you want to do when it comes to that. But the offense was not that bad against Iowa State. It was the defense that let them down, obviously. K-State won a lot of plays on the offensive side of the ball versus the Iowa State defense. Now, you flip it over. The defense did not win a lot of plays against the Iowa State offense. Did they win their, Did they win some? Sure. But when it mattered, they didn't. So I guess what I'm trying to say is as long as they can consistently win plays on both sides of the football, I don't care what the score is. Very good. I agree. Jack doesn't. No, I want to feel good. You're just upset because you're going to get pelted by tortillas on Saturday because hey. you're on the field. Hey. It gets personal for you. When you get hit by a tortilla that's not filled with delicious burrito ingredients, you're mad. Double check our insurance policy on tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question comes from Mountain Joe once again. Will we see more of Skyler running the ball this week? I think so. I think he's getting there. Um you know, people were upset about short side option. Uh, those were checks. As far as I could tell, those look like checks. And and I credit Iowa State. They were calling the plays for K-State. That's what a good defense does. Hey, we're going to take away what you really want to do, and your check here is going to be a short side option on third and nine. Have fun. I think he runs some more. I do. I think he's getting there, and I think he he's feeling that sense of urgency along with everyone else. they got to do whatever they got to do to win this game. I almost wonder if the offense is better, like uh, if he just runs on the goal line. I'm 100% honest with you guys because I didn't really think the offense looked that terrible against Iowa State. And maybe it was because they were behind so much, so they actually had to try and do some things. Well, I mean, but, if Philip Brooks catches the ball that skipped, that wasn't a play that upset me. I mean, it was the one where he got the ball thrown to him. Third and, and seven. Yeah. Third, and he, just he tried to catch the ball. Uh, you you heard me in the press box. Hand placement of these receivers is just awful. Mm -hmm. It's so – he had his hands down and around trying to basket catch a ball. It's not what you do, man. It's things like that that drive me nuts because that was going to be a play. Mm -hmm. He was going to turn it upfield and have a lot of room. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that Skyler needs to run the ball as much as he had in the past because I think I, – I, and you guys can disagree with me on this, but I, I really think – I've seen a lot of Skylar Thompson throwing the football these past two games that I hadn't seen since he's been here. I mean, he looks good throwing the football, and that's going to need to continue. So I think as long as you have that element in the red zone to where they can't just load the box and focus on Deuce Vaughn. I mean, I broke it down on the tail of the tape. He did a, a pull read zone option. is like literally a walk-in touchdown. But Iowa State didn't think he was going to run the ball. That's why they crashed towards the running back. So, yeah, I think – Maybe a little bit more. Maybe you have more of a threat on third and one and say you need to do a little another type of read option, even if it's in the middle of the field. I think you have that, but I don't think you you call a lot of design quarterback runs. How about I flip the question? Will we see more of Skyler running the ball this week or will we see more Deuce Vaughn out of the Wildcat? 
Well, that didn't work. No. Didn't work, but... I would like to see Deuce back there. I liked that they finally did it. I think you need to put him and Joe back there. Joe Irvin back there. That's Anybody. not the guy I want, though. Yeah. I mean, look, Deuce isn't a threat to throw the ball. Mm-mm. The ball's the same size as Deuce. How's he going to do that? I don't understand the science behind it. I think Malik's the perfect guy for that. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, I assume Malik could throw it a little bit. I mean, he's a really good athlete, but he just... I He, he feels like the guy that'd be best suited, or Tyrone Howell, you know? But yeah, I, but they re- tried it. I'll give them that. They tried that. They tried we it. saw something because for the most part, we're not seeing things. Tech's horrible at defense, stopping the run. That's their thing. They can't stop the run. If we don't see a dose of this diamond formation against Texas Tech this weekend, stop using it. Just get rid of it. Don't spend another second working on it. I don't understand it. If you're not going to use it, if you're not going to. Put it out on a Saturday in a game in which you need to win. If it's not effective against a team that can't stop the run, then why are you even practicing it? Well, you know who would be the perfect Wildcat quarterback is Jacardier, right? But I don't think he exists anymore. He's there. I saw him. He's there. I th- I, he wasn't actually wearing a doghouse. I thought maybe, you know, you'd see like an... <laughs> is that what they nine. call it? Yeah, with the, the doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. but you're right, though. He would be good mm-hmm. if he didn't fumble. Hmm. Last question of the first half, first half comes from Wagcat. Has Chris Kleiman's football program been consistent enough over time for you to believe they can rattle off five straight wins or even four out of five? No. No, it hasn't. But also, there hasn't been a big enough body of work. I mean, I, everyone wants to talk about last year. I don't give a crap about last year. I don't. It, last year was a fiasco. It just didn't work well for K-State. But didn't you hear everybody had to play shorthanded against Iowa State? Yeah. I don't know. I I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses, but a second-year coach and a roster that wasn't built up enough, I I don't care. But you're right, Wags. I don't know if we have seen enough to say that he's going to rattle off a bunch of wins. Here's my thing, though. I've had a number of fans say, Bill Snyder wins that game. Bill Snyder wins. As if Bill Snyder won every game he ever coached in. Here's the thing about Coach Snyder, if you really look back. Now, if the stat was right, he only beat four top ten teams in his entire career. Four. Chris has done it twice already. So we're dealing with different coaches here. And as much as I hate the Ron Prince comparison, because there really isn't a fair comparison to be made. These are not the same people. Then the the problem wasn't record or or anything going on in the program. It was the person. That was the problem. That was what Ron Prince did. He'd beat Texas and then lose to Kansas. He'd beat Texas and then lose to Nebraska by 50. And while Kleiman's not losing the huge games or the rivalry games, what made Bill Snyder so good was step-by-step He beat the teams he could and should beat. Very rarely, you can find them, but very rarely, particularly in conference play, was the man ever upset by a lesser team. And he slowly built his program, and they got a little bit better, and then all of a sudden they're better than Oklahoma. And they start beating them in the late 90s, in the mid-90s. So that's where the difference is. Kleiman comes up with the big wins, but then turns around and loses two years in a row to West Virginia and Baylor, teams he should be above. So these three teams they've lost to are better than Kansas State. I know it hurts you to think about that when it comes to Iowa State, but it's true. 
more players, better players. And if you want to curse anyone, curse the people that decided Brees Hall wasn't good enough to for a running back offer at Kansas State and thought he was a linebacker. Curse that. Now, I don't think he was ever coming to K-State, but that's a horrible misevaluation of a guy who's going to play on Sundays as a running back. They let him go, basically, because they didn't think he was a running back. So just give it some patience here. We'll see if they can get it going. But, boy, Saturday's big. So K-State has three losses. I, I don't know the answer to this question, but I would go out on a limb and say that they are the only team in the country who has three losses to three different teams who at one point were ranked or are ranked in the top ten in the country. That's crazy. Iowa State started the season there. Oklahoma still there. Oklahoma State is number eight in the country right now. And one of the wins is over a team that I think is number three in the FCS now, Southern. Oh, I haven't checked that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Eight total losses in the schedule so far for Kansas State, three of them being to Kansas State. And and three of those losses are Stanford losing to other people, and the other two are Iowa State. That's it. Four of the opponents on K-State's schedule are undefeated other than playing Kansas. Southern is 6-1 and one and number 4 in the right. country. number 4. It's a good program. We'll be back on the other side with more of your Powercat Questions podcast. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Stick with us. I'm Fitz, Zach, and Cole. We'll be right back. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody. There are three different people here. Apparently, at the end of the first half, I claimed identity of all of them. I don't want to be those guys. I don't want them to be me. Identity theft is not a joke, Fitz. Okay. Well, you know Tim rhymes with Jim. Here's your credit card back. <laughs> You should credit card. I missed an opportunity there. Yep. Let's get going. Oh, our segment sponsors are Tanners and the Hilo. And here are your questions from Wabash Station. Uh, first question of the second half comes from KNED. The question that everybody's wanting to know. What was the media reaction to Coach Kleiman asking for the media to help keep players positive? Is that a sign of a confident coach? How has the media been negative? Is Gones nothing but a hot take machine? Did he just jump the shark? <laughs> I don't understand that part. I don't, I don't understand where that what that had to do. I don't know. I think he's making a joke. 
About Goins? Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's a, being serious. But what hot takes has he had? Exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we were all caught off guard by it, but I don't think it came out the way Kleiman meant. I think he basically was saying, don't forget that there's positives about the program. Don't continue to – they're getting hammered. They are. They absolutely are. They know the fans are pissed. Believe me, if you feel like at any point you've never been um, – your thoughts and, and feelings haven't been accepted by K-State Athletics. Oh, believe me, they get it. They know you're upset. And they and you know what? Chris Kleiman's not saying you shouldn't be upset. He's upset. He's saying, let's remember that we've lost to three good teams. We beat some good teams in the non-conference. We've got some great players on this team. He, he just wants to keep the attitude up. I didn't take it like... He was blaming the media in any way for what's going on, or he was trying to enroll us and list us and being his ally. I just think it just kind of came out wrong that maybe don't forget that we've done some good things because they have. I mean, yeah, I think you're right, Fitz, but I also think when he was talking about we, he said, you know, we have to do a better job of being positive. I think he could have been referring to the coaches. We, as in, them as a staff. I mean, oh, I know he he, he yeah. certainly is. It very, was very all encompassing, right? He it was just not, wants everyone to not forget that this program isn't on the rocks. It isn't on the rocks. All of you that are just emphatic about sticking with his eight conference losses, I'm not with you on it. I'm just not until this spills into this season. They lose Saturday in Lubbock. I'm going to start to get with you a little bit. But for me, it's still three conference games. You can't just ignore that they beat three pretty good opponents in the non-conference. And yes, Southern Illinois is a good opponent. Nevada's going to win the Mountain West. Stanford, well, they have great academics. I think Kane Ed's question of, is that a sign of a confident coach? The answer to that question is, uh, he's a little bit uneasy. And Fitz, you, you might agree or disagree with me on this, but I just feel like when you go out of your way to include, again, I think the wording of we is very important because he said, and I quote, I need your help. We have to do better. I think he's, he's not just talking to the we as in the media. I think a lot of people in the media took that as, you know, we need to do better saying you need to do better. Because let's be honest, a lot of the times when you have, when when it, when anybody a coach a player says the media, everybody's interest goes you know perks right up. Well, he's talking about we as in the fans, as in the coaches, as in sure the media, as in the players. We as a collective body have to be positive. Now, do you mean the media has to be more positive than anybody else? That's not what he's saying. I just think he's trying to say everybody needs to stay positive because he believes things will be okay. I don't think Chris Kleiman lacks confidence. But, folks, I think Chris Kleiman recognizes flaws in what they're doing. He he addresses those flaws. I think he knows damn well that this defense isn't performing up to the standards they need to hold. I ask him about it. How hard is it to balance trying to be – on the attack on defense, while trying to not give up the big play. And his answer was interesting, and it's the exact right answer. You can't be so safe that you're playing on your heels. That's what they've been doing. Yes. They have been on, well, 
the defensive, and not attacking the opponent. And maybe it's because the opponents so far in the Big 12 have had weapons that have kept them on their heels a little bit. Oklahoma State, not so much. They played pretty well at Oklahoma State, considering now what we've seen the last two weeks from the defense. So now they get down to Lubbock, and I'm not saying Texas Tech doesn't have good football players because they do. I'm just saying they don't have a Brees Hall that scares the daylights out of you and a, and a quarterback that's known for when he gets rolling, he's really good, which they let him get rolling. I, I think he understands that there's flaws in what they're doing, the offensive side of the ball. I think he recognizes that they're, they're not consistent enough on offense. They're not using their tools well enough. So we're not talking about a guy that lacks confidence. We're talking about a guy who's confident enough to recognize that they have things that they have to correct. And he just wants to do that with positive energy. Next question is from El Camino Cat. Missing in action. Any idea where these guys are? Um, I'm assuming you just, just want to go list them all one. off. Just list okay. them off. Kamari Gaines played 10 games last year. Nothing this year. Connor Fox played in six games last season. Nothing this year. Carver Willis played in four games last season as a true freshman. Nothing this year. KT Leveston, no game times in Southern Illinois. I believe Kleiman said KT Leveston was injured for last I, week. I believe he's out uh, with a certain illness, but I'm not sure, so I'm not going to say it. Hmm. Um, I think Gaines might be redshirting. Something's going. Nobody seems to know. He he's he was warming up. I saw him. He's on the there, yeah. but he's not playing. So I think he might be redshirting. Which Connor Fox, I think, is injured. Yeah, Connor Fox has been injured. I think yeah. he's just now coming back. And and there was one more. Oh, Carver Willis. Carver Willis. He's played a little bit, hasn't he? I think so. It says nothing this year. Hmm. Well, I don't know. To be honest, I'm not sure. It could be a redshirt situation too. I know they had a. Well, he played. He redshirted last year. I guess. Oh, that's right. But you get the extra year COVID. Actually, yeah, I. It didn't matter last no. year. I know that they were concerned Saturday because Adler was gimpy. And we did see Panzer play mm-hmm. a little bit. He That's how they addressed it. And I think Henley Panzer's good. They, they were worried that they were going to have to put someone at left tackle um, and move BB inside. But it, it worked out. I think they were fine. I'm not worried about the offensive line at all, to be honest. The future of the offensive line. It's really bright. I, I, it's the one area of the team that I feel really good about. And it just so happens to be that probably the best assistant coach coaches that group. I would agree. So, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I do think the Kamari Gaines situation is a little odd, especially when Chris Kleiman said that they are, quote-unquote, depleted well, at defensive end. I think they're so far down the journey if they are redshirting him, or maybe he's ineligible. You know, maybe that's why they're not saying anything. Maybe he had an academic issue or something. I don't know. We've asked, but nobody seems to know or want to tell us. So, um if if it's just a pure redshirt, I think they're so far in the process now. They're like, we can't pull it off of him. I think they expect to get Massey back. We don't know when. But, boy, I mean, at one point on Saturday, they played three defensive tackles along that line. They had Huggins and Pickle as your ends yeah. with Horn in the middle. That's less than ideal. They are depleted at, at the end. Connor Fox, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was not – he didn't play. He's He's been injured, yes, but – who was the tight end that came in? Um, was it was it Swanson? Oh, he did. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Uh, that came in and played a little bit on Saturday. So it wouldn't surprise me if he has maybe jumped Fox a little bit on the depth chart well, because of the injury. Been injury. Yeah. 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 So again, I, I'm not too familiar with that, but I I do think it's interesting that the offensive line 
they they talked about rotating them a little bit, and I know somebody asked a question, maybe it was you, Fitz, about rotating the offensive linemen. And he said, well, you know, we haven't had guys that are fully healthy, but at this point, I don't know. I think if you got your group, you got to roll with them. So, um, Next question comes from Mary Katz01, who is a longtime member and a first-time poster. Is it Marty? Marty Katz. Marty Katz. Sorry, Marty. Marty Katz. He's on Twitter too, folks. Marty Katz. Oh, I apologize. I called you Mary. Sorry, oh, Marty. man. Poor Marty. Poor Marty. Uh, is it possible to get a wide receiver with size? We either have short guys like Phillip Brooks or scrawny guys like Malik Knowles or now how? I feel like the last guy that could outmuscle someone was Chris Harper. Mm, yeah, might be right. But I also think Pringle that... pretty good. Yeah, Pringle. But I think yeah. that the, the type of body, even in the last 10 years, has kind of changed. All these guys are a lot slimmer. And you can see it more in basketball. But like as far as being an athlete, and what do you, what are you looking at, me, Cole? I disagree, but you disagree. I mean, like look at like I mean, guys like Deuce Vaughn, you know, small, mighty. But even you look at Darren Sproles, who was similar size. He was bigger than than Deuce was. I think that there's just this trend of of just the type of athlete. You're looking at me like at I'm receiver, wrong. But this is this is specifically talking about receiver. But I still think that it applies to just being an athlete. I would say that being a wide receiver, that's the most athletic position on the field. And I think that I don't think you're going to find very many guys like Chris Harper in a high school right now, even if you wanted them. Okay. The, the, the types of guys that are available for you to recruit are going to look more like Malik Knowles and Tyrone Howe than they do Chris Harper or Byron Pringle. Yeah, because those, those guys, guys, they're playing tight end now. Instead of playing receiver, they're playing tight end. Right. Yeah. I would agree. I thought you were trying to get at that. You know, Man, how, I don't. But I mean, like, look at basketball though, too, compared to ten years ago. I would just like, and you say, have a whole bunch of smaller guys. It's just the the muscle. You think of the building. Best, you think of the strategies, best, I guess, are different. You think of the best receivers in the NFL right now, and they're huge: DK Metcalf, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams. These guys are big guys. Tyreek Hill. Well, that's the counterexample. Well, but the point is, is again, this kind of circles back around to recruiting. Those kind of players are in high demand. I think Sebastian Taylor is one of those kind of players. When, who, there's a guy that we thought we'd see by now, but that we haven't. Mm -hmm. They're hard to find. And what you end up doing is if you can't get that elite level guy, you end up taking a chance on a guy and hope he develops. Now, we've seen a receiver from Arkansas State that ended up being pretty damn good. In fact, I just saw earlier this season a 6'4 guy from A-State went into the portal. A receiver. Um, but people are rolling the dice. Maybe it's academics. Maybe it's, you know, he hasn't played football long. I don't know. And K-State right now is going to go get guys that they feel like have already proven themselves on the field. I may not agree with that, that that's what they're getting. I think they've settled at receiver a little bit um, in some situations. But receivers, like everything else, they're going to have to upgrade what they're getting. And Tyron Howell is listed as 6'3", 200. Now, I don't know if he is. I've never spoken to him in person. But I just want to say Malik Knowles is listed at 6'3", 195, and I'm calling BS on that. There's no way Malik 6'3". And maybe it's just because the 195, he's pretty skinny. That's that's He may be 195 sopping wet. He's, he's carrying a lot of muscle weight if he is, but um, yeah. So they have Tyrone Howell as being heavier than Malik Knowles on mm -hmm. the – 
6'3", That might be all, uh, from what we hear, the size of his hands. He might have like an extra five pounds of hands. So who's the heaviest receiver then? What's Taylor listed at? Oh, he's nothing. Where is he? Uh, Sebastian Taylor, I'm going to guess 6'4", 215. Yeah. Uh, what number is he? 13. 13. 13. It's been so long. 6'4", 220. So he would be the biggest. Yeah. And probably with a 10-pound brace on his knee now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That must be a bad injury. He hasn't even seen the field. Yeah. I think he, he, he has played not, at Oklahoma well, State, I think. I think he saw a snap or something, but I just don't think he's... He has right. not had one target the entire season. Yeah, no. So, uh, next question comes from Byers DVM. First of all, they are a new subscriber to the site. Yeah! So, therefore, they are new to the podcast. Yeah! Welcome to the podcast and to the site. I, love I, your ice I, cream. I wrote these out specifically for, for Gills because he struggled with these. You know, I don't struggle with this. I know you don't struggle. <laughs> well, tell Mary that. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Sorry, sorry Marty. Uh, anyways, Mr. Byers DVM wants to know, what is Iowa State selling on the recruiting trail that K-State isn't? This is a great question. You just proved my point with recruiting to K-State. You just did it. Why can Iowa State, three years ago, when they're getting a guy like Brees Hall with limited success on the football field, what are they saying? What are they doing? They're not cheating. I can guarantee you they're not. They're just not. They can get players to Ames. It's I don't I don't know if you've ever been to Ames, but right now it's seventy degrees in Manhattan. It's below zero in Ames. It smells like money, as people from out west in Kansas I, would say. I gotta you know Ames seems like a much harder sell to me than Manhattan, particularly for a Texas or Florida kid. So they're doing something right. And I've said this on the message boards. I'm not saying anyone should be fired. They may be reassigned. But go find someone who has had success in a similar situation and pay them lots of money, Scotty Hazelton their asses right into Manhattan, Kansas to run recruiting. Because if you don't get the guys, I got news for Chris Kleiman and every other coach, you ain't Bill Snyder. Fans, you got to get over it. I mean, Bill Snyder was one of a kind. He saw something in kids, and let's be honest here, Jordy Nelson would not go undiscovered now. There's just too much info out there. It's just too much. So it's it's a whole other challenge. But, yeah, they're doing something K-State isn't. Figure that out. Do that. And mostly they have dynamic personalities out recruiting. I guess the one thing I would say w- w- about Chris Kleiman is when you hire coaches, I appreciate that you're hiring really good coaches, but make sure the recruiting element comes with it. You can't have position coaches be dead weight on the recruiting trail. Coordinators, yes. Coordinators are more closers for the most part. Unless you're Brent Venables, who loves to go out and recruit. But your position coaches, all eight of those dudes better be invested in recruiting and good at it. Good texting, good with social media. It's part of the job. And and I honestly, I just don't think they have enough guys that tear it up on the recruiting trail. My biggest disappointment with this program is somehow, some way they took over 
a football program from a head coach who didn't like to recruit, didn't like to deal with prima donnas, who just wanted to go find players he could develop and made a living off that and supplement that with some players out of junior college or transfers or whatever, somehow they're recruiting worse. I can't explain it. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. K-State fans, if you think that it's just going to flip the switch overnight and K-State's going to be a better recruiting team than Iowa State, it's not going to happen because Iowa State right now, the number 28 overall class in the country for the class of 2022, number four in the Big 12. And Fitz, I know you've talked about get into Florida, right? That's been the one thing that Bill Snyder did was be able to get into Florida, get into Florida, get into Texas, recruit your backyard. That's all that Iowa State's doing. Their top commit is from Council Bluffs. The number two commit is from Florida. There's another kid from Iowa, Florida, Florida, Wisconsin, and they've also started to come down to Kansas City, which is an obvious connection there. Nathan Schielhaus used to be the quarterback at Illinois. Rockhurst grad, he is like their main recruiter for that area, and he's stolen a lot of kids. They have a kid from Kansas City. They have another kid from Iowa, another kid from Kansas City. You go down the list, two more Florida kids, a Texas, another Florida kid, another kid from Kansas City, and then another kid from their backyard in Iowa. That is a pretty simple formula, but it's one that K-State should be able to follow because there's no reason that you can't recruit your backyard, you can't recruit Kansas City, and you can't recruit to a place that has a mega pool of talent like Texas or Florida. You just, this just should be a simple formula. Nate Shieldhouse is kicking their ass up and down all through the Metro. I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I just don't know what to say. You should have a coach in there all the time. Just all it's two hours away. And you know what? This is something K-State stopped doing. As far as I'm aware of, they used to take those K-State planes and jets everywhere. And I know it's expensive, but damn it, get into some of these places. You should have a coach stepping on a plane every every night possible to go to Kansas City to watch football. And if it's step on a plane and be there in 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, that's great. With a car waiting. They've got to up their presence. They need to own Kansas City. There's they're, so they're many. Good, there's so many good players there, and I know that you know if you follow recruiting, Ryan Wallace does an outstanding job, and he's at a game in Kansas City for the most part every single weekend, and he types up those reports of all these guys mm-hmm. that will be players. Guess what? They always talk about finding diamonds in the rough. There's going to be diamonds in the rough that go play at FCS schools that then could have a chance to play in the NFL or could it really help out K-State just because they're, you know, you want to talk about unranked or underranked Kansas city people will, people, people might not, might not see this, but the, the Kansas city Metro has good football. It has good football, a three-star commit, a three-star talent in Kansas city can play at the power five level. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, um, especially with the, the current state of K-State football, I think they tend to overlook those guys because they think, oh, well, they're not going to get offers, so they're going to come to us anyway. But that's not how it's working. Agreed. The last question of the podcast comes from CW Powercat. Does the men's basketball team win more conference games than the football team wins total games this year? Ooh. Uh, yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. That's really good. <laughs> okay, so we got Gills isn't here. Let's... Let's say football team does get to seven wins. I feel like that's where the basketball team will be. Is that good enough to make the tournament? Mm-mm. Mm. 
No. Is eight wins good enough to make the tournament? Depends. Uh, depends on who the wins are. I mean, if you knock off Kansas, you got a good quality win or something. So do we think that the football team is going to get more wins then? Mm. You're going with seven wins for K-State basketball. I think both of them end up at seven wins. Uh, I'll take I don't even I don't even care what football finishes at. I'm gonna just take football. I think if K State What did K State end up with last year? Four? BTCU. TCU. Beat Iowa State twice, right? Yeah, just the three. Was it just three? And then they, they won one else. they won in the conference yeah, tournament. That's what it was. So they won three regular, regular season games. I yeah, think Yeah, I'm K State could could go five and seven, and I'm taking the football team. I think I think if K State wins the next two games in football, there's a good chance that they get to eight and four. I think that's a realistic yeah. chance. If they if they can beat Texas Tech and then they beat TCU, you're going to beat KU. So then you just got to win what two of the next four games, two of the next three games to um, get to eight wins. At that point, get to eight wins. I think that's a possibility. Especially if they look good these next two games. So I mean, if if my prediction is eight and four, even if it's seven and five, I think it might be right on with basketball because I I, I got to tell you guys, I am really intrigued by the basketball this year. I really am. I know we always talk about basketball at the end of the podcast, and and once basketball season comes closer, you you guys will start to see it too. But there's some talent there. Now, how will that be used? It's another question. But they have some talent. This is the most talent. I mean, it goes without saying, but it's the most talent since 2018 when they won the conference. So, K-State got better, but so did the rest of the league. Yeah. It'll be more enjoyable. Yes. It, it'll, it'll look like a more finished product this year because, I mean, again, I'm falling back on the pandemic. But when you're rebuilding a, a program from the ground up and you don't get to practice – yeah, you're not going to look very good. Now, my problem is that was, what, year 9, 10 of Bruce Weber? You shouldn't be rebuilding the program. It's not like year 2 of a head football coach. But the reality was it caught them with their pants down, so to speak, and they had to rebuild in the middle of a pandemic. And we saw real progress at the end. I like this group of kids a lot. I think there's something about this now sophomore class that is a foundation for the program. But are they going to be there this season? I don't know. You know how, like, in the Civil War days when they'd have the guns? I remember those. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was, yeah. I was yeah right? Yeah. Okay. So they would shoot the gun, and then they'd have to take the bayonet out, and then they have to put the bullet in, the and they have to, it's, you know, it's, like, it's, go like this. And Fitz, is a, Fitz is offended, but okay. Okay. <laughs> what, what is it called? Is that called the stick? I don't know. Okay. I don't know what it's called, but it's not the bayonet. Well, it right. would take forever to reload, right? right. Okay, so. Yeah, they take the they take the. The sword off the front of the gun. So this is what happened with K State basketball. They won the Big Twelve championship because they shot the they shot the gun. Okay, and this, then, this is not working. But go ahead. No, trust me. Okay. And so then they were trying to reload, but they dropped the sword, and that was the COVID season. Sorry, sorry. And so, so now bad. they've officially reloaded. There was, another, there was another season. Oh my god! And that, so now, but the reloading was they started in 2019, and then 2020 they dropped. The sword. So now they're finishing up. The sword. The, the they're sword. locking it in, and they're ready to go. This is the first time that I've really wished we videotaped our podcast so everyone <laughs> could see my demeanor right now. This man that just defeated. said those words on this podcast is going to school to become a social studies teacher. 
It fits perfectly. It's embarrassing for the youth of tomorrow. Hey, it's Bruce Weber's birthday tonight. Where is he going to be in Aggieville? Oh, my God. He's going to be tucked in the bed. He's already asleep. He's going to have some ice cream. He's going to have some frozen custard at Freddy's and call it a night. He's going to have a... A caramel from the jar in his parlor at his house because he calls it the parlor and not the living room. I'm certain of it. Mm. That's, That's a it. dynamite ending. That's it. We're done. Happy birthday, Coach mm. Weber. We'd like to gift you a bunch of wins, but you have to go earn them. Hang in there, fans. Hang in there. And I just, I'm going to end it with this. And it's, I'm not shaming anyone, I'm not attacking anyone, but. For all of you calling for this person to be fired, that person to be fired, it really ain't happening. I mean, you're just, I'm, it's not that far into the program to be firing coordinators and head coaches. You're just not down the road enough. But Fish, you want a Bruce Weber fired after year four. So you can come talk to me after year four, and I might be with you. Because I can guarantee you one thing no matter what happens this season, Chris Kleiman will get a year four. Let's hope it's coming off of seven, eight, nine wins. That means you better go win in Olympic. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.